Welcome to Winning Wednesdays here at RemarNurse.com. We have NCLEX questions for you happening right now. This is your opportunity. If you missed our Monday study sessions, then Winning Wednesday is an opportunity for you to tap in and review before your big day. My name is Regina Callion, and I'm so happy that you have decided to like our page or subscribe to our channel. We help you get ready for your big NCLEX exam. And so for this episode, I have NCLEX questions. I'm looking for the fastest answer possible. You guys know we have done our um, test taking anxiety workshop this week. So we are continuing on the great time right here with Winning Wednesday. Here is the first question. Nurse Anna is caring for a client with electrolyte imbalance. She understands that the best care the patient can receive is when the patient and the blank work together. Is it the best care when the patient and the family members work together, the patient and the care provider work together, the patient and the healthcare administration work together, the patient and the medical insurance provider? work together. What say if you guys come on in, you have made it. The class is just getting started. So I want you to give me those answers. I want to know where you are in your knowledge. This is great. The correct answer for this question is going to be, yeah, a lot of you got it. Number two, the care provider. And so client-centered care is often associated with just better health outcomes. The client is also engaged as an active participant when planning for his or her care. And, and that is what's going to make the patient have, what we talk about in nursing all the time, we want our patients to have autonomy. And so autonomy is the idea that patients can make decisions about their own health care. So when the patient and the care provider are working together, that happens. Let's go to question number two. It's coming up right now. Here it is. A 65-year-old elderly man presents to the eye clinic and is triaged by the registered nurse. The client complains of a single floater in his peripheral vision and brief flashes of light. The RN is aware the client may be suffering from which of the following? Hmm. Is it number one, diabetic retinopathy? Two, a detached retina? Three, a nucleation? Four, cataracts? Oh, this is so good. I'm going to explore the eye. I'm testing your knowledge on many different subjects because that's what NCLEX is. When you take your NCLEX exam, you never know what you're going to get. And so we're talking about the client has a single floater in the peripheral vision, okay? Also, brief flashes of light. Which of the following terms most describe this position, okay? Um, and the correct answer is going to be I see it. You guys are doing a great job so far. It is a detached retina. And so the assessment findings 
of the detached retina is going to be um, floaters, flashes of light in, in the visual field, okay? Um, is going to be these things. And so the client can also say it looks like um, a curtain has been drawn or dropped over their eyes. So if you guys have, let me pull this out. If you guys have quick facts for NCLEX, you will be getting a lot of information about many of these topics that I'll be presenting today in this book. And so also this week, if you don't have the other program, if you don't have the virtual trainer program, you can still use the coupon code, no stress. So no stress, all in one word to help you take $50 off of the program. And so that's an amazing discount. This is the time. Everything that we're doing is so that we can invest in our nursing license. Um, so you have to be able to know terms, uh, know the assessment for them, and be able to identify them appropriately. All right. Question number three here. This is a good one. An anxious mother brings in her three-week-old infant. She states there is something wrong with his eyes. The nurse visualizes that both eyes are unable to stare straight at the same time. The nurse knows this is a symptom of which of the following? Is it number one, ambilopia? Two, strabignomus? Three, shaken baby syndrome? Or four, leukocorea pupil? What say you guys here? And again, we're focusing on the eye, okay? And we are looking at symptoms that are going to be certain conditions, all right? And so this is, are you able to recognize the cues of your patient? Okay, uh, this is important. And so with this answer, you are going to have Yes, number two, right? Strabignus is a misalignment of the eyes. And here, it is also known as cross eyes, right? Cross eyes. Have you heard of that before? There is actually a term that you will see on NCLEX for this condition. And it is kind of common. Um, amelopia is a medical term when the vision of one of the eyes is reduced, Okay. And that is because the eye and the brain are not working properly. Shaken baby syndrome is an abusive head impact. And it, it has resulted from shaking violently an infant or a toddler. And so leukorrhea pupil is an abnormal white reflection of the retina of the eye. And so normally, um, when you see a lot of terms that you are not familiar with, the prudent thing for you to do is to go ahead and write those terms down so that you can define them later. One of the one of the mistakes nursing students make is they give themselves the benefit of the doubt too easily. So as you're studying, you may come across a term and you may say, oh, yeah, I knew that. Or you may say to yourself, I'll look it up later. Right. I don't I'm not familiar with it now, but maybe I'll look it up later. Well, what happens is you never look it up. And if you are taking your NCLEX exam and you come across something that is familiar to you because you've seen it, 
but you didn't take the opportunity to explore it, to look it up. Um, and so you failed to get a question right because of mm, laziness, I guess, or procrastination, then shame on you. Because when you take this exam, you want to make sure that you go into that exam doing everything that you needed to do to be successful. This exam is very expensive. The NCLEX exam um, is not something that you casually prepare for. You are supposed to go all in. You're supposed to go all in every time you sit down and study because the idea is that once you pass this test, you never have to take it again. Some people uh, take this test over and over and over again, and they get in a cycle of taking this exam over years and um, studying and, and, and really solidifying every opportunity to attack the test during the preparation process will shorten that time for you. It will shorten that time for you. So make it a habit to look up things you don't know. Question number four, we have a nurse is assessing a 16th month old for strabismus, which would be the most appropriate action for the nurse to take while doing the assessment. All right. So you got a 16 month old, you need to assess them. Is it one, assess the client's pincer grasp first. Two, have the child sit on the mother's lap. Three, allow the child to hold a favorite object during the assessment. Four, take the child's blood sample first. All right. What saith you guys? What saith you guys? We're talking about here appropriate actions for the nurse to take while doing an assessment. And the age is given here for a reason. The age is given here for a reason. So what are you going to do about this patient's age? Here, it is very important to evaluate a toddler on the mother's lap. It is so, it is just so much easier when toddlers are with their parent, their comfort person, they will allow you to interact with them if they're sitting on the mother's lap because they feel safe. When you take a toddler and put them on a table by themselves or in a crib, you're going to get some pushback. You know that. It's going to be very difficult for you to look in their ears, uh, listen to their lung sounds because they're going to be screaming. They're going to be screaming for mama, right? And so it's better for um, us as nurses to incorporate the parents into our assessment at this age. And this was something that my nursing school talked about all the time. And I saw it show up on a couple of my quizzes too. Question number five, a 43-year-old welder worker at the local iron factory presents to the emergency room. The client states he feels like there is a piece of metal in his left eye. The doctor thoroughly assesses the patient. Which order should the nurse question? Oof, here are the orders. Number one, 
acetaminophen, 650 milligrams PO, Q6 hours for pain. Two, MRI scan of the left eye stat. Three, thin slice CT scan of the left eye stat. Four, assist with ambulation at all times. Oh, I love this one. I love this one. I need you to identify based off of your content knowledge, what is inappropriately, and I mean totally inappropriately written because there is one thing there. There is literally one thing there. So what say if you guys? Mm, 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 mm. And it, it really, <laughs> the answer is in the stem of the question right there. The answer is right there in the stem of the question. So here it is. The correct answer is going to be number two. Again, this is another number two because an MRI is not going to be appropriate if there are metal if there are metal particles possibly in that eye. Because once that patient gets in that machine, the MRI is going to pull, it is going to pull at the patient's um, injury, right? And so you could have more damage, you can have absolutely more damage by having the client do an MRI. So. The, the, CT, the CT is going to be more appropriate in this instant. I hope that makes sense to you guys. I hope that makes sense to you guys. And if you have the virtual trainer workbook, we go over diagnostic procedures on page 10, it's on page 102, all right? Uh, well, it actually starts on page 101. And so, well, no, it's 102. So you're going to go over um, lumbar puncture with me. You're going to go over uh, e, uh, EGD. We are going to talk about um, the position for um, MRI, CTs, uh, angiogram, arteriograms as well. These are all things that you got to know uh, the indications for when to do them, when not to do them, and who's appropriate. So diagnostic procedures, um, if you look at the virtual trainer workbook, a lot of people ask me all the time, they have quick facts and they say, hey, Regina, is quick facts enough to pass NCLEX? If I only do quick facts, can I pass NCLEX? And I, you know, I, I'll say to my, I say to them, I know you have heard of students who say, I only pass, I only use quick facts to pass NCLEX. Um, I see that a lot on, on the internet, right? People only use this book. And that makes sense because when we talk about content, Quick Facts does have all of these topics. It does, it covers all of these topics, but I made this book to be part of a program. So this is half of the program and this is the other half of the program. And so when you get into the virtual trainer, you'll see the virtual trainer also has its own list of topics that are not in the Quick Facts book. So if you just have the Quick Facts book, you still are responsible for these topics that I go over in the virtual trainer. And those topics are gonna be your developmental milestones, your clinical math, your IV therapy, um, also your psych, psych medications, prioritization. You know, there are a lot of things in this workbook, diagnostic procedures that I don't address in the quick facts because I have them here. So you have to be responsible for both things 
when you are studying, okay? All right, I'm moving on. Question number six, is this, is this, and I like this question. Um, the nurse is aware the factor most related to the development of prebicusis is which of the following? Number one, obesity. Two, poor care of the vision. Three, age. Four, consumption of illegal substances. All right, what do you guys say? We are talking about a condition. And if you know the term, if you know the term, then you this is an easy question. But if you don't know the term and you're trying to guess, that's when it becomes harder. There isn't really a strategy for you not knowing something, all right? You, that's why I say content is king for the NCLEX exam. And so that's going to be number three. We're talking about prebicusis, and that is going to be um, a decreased hearing. And so age is the largest risk factor for decreased hearing loss. Let's move on. But first, I got to tell you, if you missed our test anxiety workshop, it was a two-day workshop, um, it's still available on YouTube. And that's going to be important if you struggle with test-taking anxiety, but you missed the class that I taught, go on YouTube and uh, make some time out to do days one and two, because I want you to take that assessment. Knowing what type of anxiety you have, there are two main ones that I went over, physical and emotional. So knowing the type of anxiety you have is going to help you to identify things you can do for it. Because if you have emotional anxiety, then you don't want to be doing physical stuff that you may have heard may work for people. And if you have, um, you know, physical anxiety, you don't want to be doing emotional tactics to try to reduce it. So um, check it out. It is available on YouTube right now. And I'm so proud of Remar for being able to address this topic. I don't see it a lot. Um, and so we did a full review of it. Question number seven is this. A nurse is teaching the wife of a client diagnosed with prebicusis about lifestyle changes to adjust to the new condition in her husband. Which of the following should she encourage? Is it number one, moving closer to the client during conversation and speaking softly? Two, moving closer to the client and speaking in her normal voice. Number three, moving closer to the client and speaking louder. Four, moving closer to the client and speaking directly in one ear. We are talking about, uh, I'm not going to say it. I just want you to put your answers down and then we'll go over it together. Okay. Uh, what say you guys to this condition? What say if you guys to this condition and encouraging how the, the wife should modify their lifestyle, should modify their lifestyle? And the answer is going to be two. Yeah, it's going to be two. Moving closer to the client and speaking in her normal voice. So just moving closer to the patient and speaking in a normal tone helps to um, facilitate a better hearing. 
sometimes we think if a person is hard of hearing, we should just shout, like just speak extremely loud, totally inappropriate. And that always doesn't help because sometimes when you shout, your voice may go higher and higher tones are going to be difficult for patients to hear. So it is better to just get closer to the patient and speak in your normal tone, speak in your normal tone. Question number eight, we're switching topics here. A nurse is caring, um, sorry, a nurse is educating a client undergoing a radioactive iodine reuptake test to study thyroid function. Which of the following instructions should the nurse include? One, you should not take this exam if you suspect you could be pregnant. Two, you should take your thyroid medication before this examination. Three, you will be given the radioactive iodine in the form of a transdermal patch. Number four, this procedure will take up to 48 hours for results to be determined. Okay, the radioactive iodine reuptake test. Have you seen it? Have you heard of it before? No, if not, that's all right. I want you to do your very best because we will be going over the answer right now in real time about what instructions should that nurse include. And so for here, the correct answer is gotta be, it is got to be, Number one, you should not take this exam if you suspect you could be pregnant. That's always a great one to look for. If you're not really sure about things that uh, a patient should not do, check for pregnancy because sometimes that is a good go-to one. So radioactive iodine is contraindicated during pregnancy. Should not be given, should not be given. Um, all of the answer choices, um, all of the other answer choices are going to be, all of the other answer choices are going to be incorrect, okay? And so I love the community. I have nurses from all over and you guys are here, you're showing up and I just love seeing the comments and where everybody's from. So thank you so much. You guys make Remar Nurse uh, the number one company because of you. It's our students that make us so great. It is our it is our community when we do events like this and we do winning Wednesday and Monday motivation is really what, what makes us, you know, who we are and why people want to connect. So question number nine, we are moving on. A nurse is preparing to remove an NG tube from a client who was unconscious due to a myxedema coma. Okay. The client is now awake and has a dietary tray in front of him. The nurse should instruct the client to do which of the following just before she removes the nasal gastric tube. Hmm. Is it number one, take a sip of water? Two, take a deep breath and bear down? Three, take a deep breath and hold it? Four, take a deep breath and exhale slowly. Okay. What are we talking about here? We are talking about, we are talking about how are you supposed to remove an NG tube? 
This is a common procedure every nurse should know, should be experts in. And so from the choices given, the best, um, the best thing that the nurse should instruct the client to do, I see your answers on the screen, absolutely, is number three, take a deep breath and hold on to it. So when the nurse is removing the nasal gastric tube, she should instruct the client to take a deep breath and hold it. This prevents, this prevents aspiration, okay? This prevents aspiration, right? Okay, moving on, our question now. Thank you guys for rocking with me. We've been studying in about a half an hour. So this is a power study session. A nurse is caring for a Jewish client who follows a strict kosher diet. Which of the following meal choices is best? Oh my goodness, I just completely flipped the script. Now we're talking about diets, kosher diets. And so number one, shellfish, kosher beans and mixed vegetables. Is that good? What about number two, Cornish hens, steamed green beans and frozen spinach? What about number three, salmon, cottage cheese and strawberry gelatin? Or four, baked chicken, whole grain rolls, butter, and steamed potatoes. What do you guys say? We're talking about the kosher meal here. Oh, there's certain principles with the kosher diet that you got to just be able to recognize. And if you don't, take some time and read up on it today. Because once you got it, you got it. Okay. And the last answer for our Winning Wednesday question is absolutely with kosher diets. It is going to be number two. I am loving number two. Uh, I am loving number two today. It is going to be Cornish hens, steamed green beans, and frozen spinach. And this is why. This, this is why. Just because um, you know the other choices. The other choices, and I'll try to go back over them again. Let me, let me go to the other choices. Um, so the other choices contain, uh, things that are not allowed. So number one, the shellfish is an unclean meat. So clients who are kosher, they're not going to eat shellfish, right? C, the salmon looks good, right? Yeah, maybe do that. But cottage cheese and strawberry gelatin, Gelatin is a pork product. So when you are following a kosher diet, you don't eat pork. And pork is not just like, oh, I don't eat sausage and bacon. Like, no, you don't eat even products that contain pork in them. So Jello has pork in it, right? A lot of baked goods that, you know, like cakes and cookies and things that you already see uh, pre-made have portions of jello, gelatin or pork in them to hold that, you know, those substances together. So the kosher diet is, it is very extensive, right? Because you want to avoid pork. And so, and then D, another thing with kosher, um, you got baked chicken, whole grain rolls, and then, but you got butter and steamed potatoes. And so with a kosher meal, you can't have meat and dairy products at the same time. So the butter is a dairy. You can't mix that with the meat. 
And um, I just learned this not too long ago, but even with kosher, people who are like legit kosher, they don't even put those milk, dairy, butter products and meat in the same refrigerator. So there is two separate refrigerators to house their kosher foods. And so um, these are practices that are very important to our patients. So when they come into the hospital to get health care, we do not want to trespass on their normal dietary practices when we can be culturally competent to do the things that they're requesting um, to be done, right? That's part of their autonomy. That's part of their decision-making and good nurses help to support that. So, hey, I was talking about um, the virtual the trainer. The NCLEX virtual so trainer is the best training system for nursing no students stress, who need no to pass the exam. My name is Regina Callion, MSN RN, and I have helped um, thousands of nursing students pass the NCLEX exam with my program. You're going to love it. With my NCLEX review, I'm going to give you all of my nursing content in one place. Not only that, I'm going to make sure that after every individual lesson, you know what is most important. And if you need questions to help you, I have the questions right here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an amazing opportunity to get in the virtual trainer. I'm also going to send you the virtual trainer student workbook, as well as my quick facts for NCLEX. This is it. This is the opportunity that you've been waiting for. Click the link below. This is the number one training system for nursing students who need to pass NCLEX. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Click the link below. Hey, what are you waiting for? I want to see you on the inside. This is the opportunity. You don't want to miss it. If your nursing license is important to you, you will take action right now. Let's click the link. Let's go.